0: Welcome to the Marriage Day Podcast. I'm Jimmy Evans, this is my wife, Karen, and we have a program today on total mental freedom, how to be free in your mind, in your thoughts. Huge area, you know, the the battle of our, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they're divinely powerful to take every thought captive. That's what the Bible tells us, so we're gonna be talking about that in just a few minutes in the teaching part, but right now we have some questions uh, from our viewers, Karen, and let me read you the first one. my wife gives most of her time to taking care of the kids. She says they won't be here forever. How do I get her to realize I'm important too?
1: That's a good question. I think a lot of uh, women get caught up with their kids because, we're uh, God created us to be nurturing and mothering, and um, and but we know because the kids are going to leave. And then what do you have? A right. marriage that's broken. Right. And so two things I would say is, you know how you Model your marriage is more important to your children than how you're taking care of them. Right. Your kids need to see a marriage that's uh, successful, that's healthy, that's, c- you know, they need to learn communication through how you communicate with your husband. They need to learn conflict through how that – I mean, there's so much that your marriage is uh, going to give your kids even more than what you can as a mother. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. The, you know, and then the other thing is, you know, it, when they leave <laughs> – i can't tell you how many times i know of couples that they don't know what to do because their kids leave and their world left yeah and it's like so sad because you know when our kids left you know we were so young but it was it was great i mean a lot of people you know sad but but you know or are so sad they can't you know keep going but to me you know we had instilled so much with our kids that when we finally had that alone time together it was a blessing
0: it was a blessing and the thing is, our children today are raising their kids the way we raise them. Exactly. And that is the marriages first. And how are your children gonna succeed in marriage unless you show them how? Mm-hmm. And if you sacrifice your marriage for your children, you just cursed your children mm-hmm. because they're gonna leave home and they don't know how to be married.
1: Well, I think it produces that entitled atmosphere Absolutely. of kids.
0: Absolutely, that they're the center of the universe mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. My, when I left for college, I had to go down get a U-Haul, hook it up to my Mustang, and my parents on the way out the door they said bye, didn't even get up out of their chairs, you know, to say bye to me. And you know, and now I hope that you did more than for your children. We certainly did, but we weren't the center of the universe, Mm -hmm. you know. And so you need to have the priorities to where it's God, your spouse, and then your children. You'll never be disappointed. And when your children leave, they'll be healthy, and you'll Mm -hmm. have a healthy marriage.
1: That's good. Okay, you have one. How do you live with someone who actively and intentionally withholds intimacy on every level, physically, emotionally, and spiritually?
0: Well, this is obviously uh, passive aggressive behavior, but more aggressive here. Actively withholds. Now, passive aggressive behavior means two things. I'm gonna do what you don't want me to do, and I'm not gonna do what you want me to do, okay? So here, it's I want you, I know you want me to be uh, intimate and affectionate, I'm not gonna do that, okay? So what is the problem? Well, it could there obviously anger mm-hmm. there. There's some mm-hmm. level of anger control and it could be going all the way back to childhood. I would get in counseling as soon as you possibly could. This is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, to live with a person who withholds on every level like this, it's huge. You won't I, I don't think you'll be able to, to crack this nut on your own. I'm not talking about <laughs> your husband being a nut, but I'm saying you're you're not going to be able to solve this problem on your own get counseling now here at marriage today at xo marriage we have marriage mediation we have mediators here that help people all over the country all over the world they do it via zoom calls via skype via telephone or whatever and so we're in the dallas fort worth area here so if you're physically in this area contact us and we have counselors here that can help you but if not we can help you via phone or skype or something like that Get help in your marriage through your church, through your pastor, through a Christian counselor. Get help, but especially in this situation, you have passive aggressive behavior going on. This is very damaging. And so get help as quickly as you possibly can. We hope that this is helpful to you. We're talking about mental freedom today on the program. We're going to go to this teaching segment right now. What could be more important than our minds being set free? I'm talking about this. If you haven't subscribed, to the Marriage Today uh, podcast. Do it on the Apple Podcast Network or Spotify. Leave us a comment, we would love to hear from you. We're gonna go to the teaching right now. So we're gonna talk about three issues related to the issue of mental freedom. The first is understanding the mind as a battlefield, because it's a battlefield. Our minds, this is primarily where Satan attacks us and holds us in bondage, 2 Corinthians 10. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, this is, this is the warfare now, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now Let me, let me kind of go through this for just a minute. It says, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. We don't war with guns and knives and bombs. We, we war with other weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. This is the bondage that we have in our lives mentally. The devil uses hurt. He uses trauma. He uses deception. He uses anything he can as an entry point in our minds to put a thought there that's a stronghold. A stronghold means it gives him a place in our lives to control us. Let me say this, whoever's controlling your thoughts is controlling you. And whenever the devil is in our minds, and see what makes the devil so dangerous, and I've said this to you before, it would be so easy to deal with the devil if he just presented himself, but he doesn't. He took the form of a serpent in the Garden of Eden because he's stealthy, that's his nature. He slithers in, speaks a lie, and see, you don't think it's the devil, you think it's your thought. You you think that these thoughts that are in your head, they're not of the devil. But when we're in bondage, it means somehow, through television, through movies, through a person, or just our own imagination or whatever, the devil slithered in and implanted a thought there, and we accepted it. See, we are the gatekeepers of our minds. Not God, not the devil, we. We are the gatekeepers of our minds, and ultimately we decide what's gonna stay there. Well, when I was growing up, I, I didn't know about any of this kind of stuff, so I accepted wrong information. Wrong information on sex, wrong information on uh, marriage, wrong information on money, wrong information on values, wrong information on success. I was full of lies, literally. did did not align with the Word of God. And what I realized one day, the the beginning of freedom in my life was to realize my thoughts are not of God. These thoughts that I have in my head, they're strongholds. The devil is using these thoughts. Fear, anxiety, worry, lust. All of these thoughts, they're strongholds in my mind that the devil is using to control me. The the other thing that it says here that's very interesting, it says, uh, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. Did, let, me, let me say this. So have you ever, I know, I know you have. You ever been reading the Bible or I've been preaching and I say something and your mind begins to argue with it? Like God loves you? Like you're God's favorite? And Karen had very, very low self-esteem, very, very low self-esteem when we married. And she would read the Bible. She loved reading the Bible, but you know it was hard for her to believe that God loved her. She didn't believe that God loved her and she would read the scriptures that talked about God's love and immediately her mind would begin to argue with it, okay? When you have in your mind when the truth is spoken or you read the truth and your mind begins to push back on it, that's an argument. Casting down arguments. We have to understand that anything in our mind that argues with the word of God has been implanted by the enemy and it's a stronghold. And when I preach on tithing, it gets always gets quiet. just got quiet. And, and when I'm preaching on tithing, I, I see y'all's faces when I'm preaching. And I'll be preaching on tithing and I can see, I'll, I'll say, hey, you need to give 10% of your income to the Lord. And I can see people go, like a little puppy. I know you're arguing. My voice goes up when I get upset. And so, you're arguing. Your mind is arguing, casting. Listen, when your mind begins to argue with the word of God, you don't sit there and argue with the word of God. You cast down that argument. You accept the word of God. That's how you get set free. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. So the only way you can deal with fear is to treat it as a separate entity. It's not your fear. You weren't born with any fear. You don't have any fear, you're fearless. Did you know that? All fear, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. God doesn't use fear. God didn't credit us with fear. So why am I saying this? It's because the same way you deal with fear is the way you deal with the mental stronghold. It's not your thought, it's the devil's thought. Taking every thought captive. It's not your friend, it's not you, it's the devil. You have got to, there, there cannot be rogue thoughts. I'm not yelling at y'all, by the way. I'm just, <laughs> there's, you can't have a rogue thought in your mind. You can't. It'll destroy your life. It'll hold you in bondage. Every thought in my mind is gonna be scrutinized. Every thought in my mind, I'm gonna take it captive, and it says, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The word obedience In the Greek language is the word hupakoe, it means to listen under. Literally here's what it means, Jesus, how many of you are Christians? Jesus is in your life, right? If Jesus is the Lord of our lives, that means he's on the throne of our hearts, and he is. So here's what it means to take thoughts captive. You have this thought rattling around in your mind that you've done too much to be forgiven and that God doesn't love you the way he loves other people. And and these kind of thoughts are extremely important because they keep us from relating to God. You're not gonna jump in daddy's lap if daddy's mad. You're not gonna approach God if you believe he doesn't love you. So these thoughts are very important. It's very important for the devil that you believe those kind of thoughts. So you've got these thoughts that are enemy thoughts in your mind and you're realizing "That's that's not what Pastor Jimmy said. That's not what the Bible said. But I've got these thoughts in my mind. And then you realize, these are enemies. These are enemies of me loving God and relating to God. And you turn on those thoughts and say, you're gonna listen to what Jesus has to say. And you put a spear under the neck of those thoughts and you say, you get under Jesus. You're gonna listen under Jesus. Jesus, is it true that I've done too much to be forgiven? Is it true that God doesn't love me? And I'm telling you Jesus, what he told us is the Father loves us, the Father desires to care for us. He takes care of the birds and we're much more valuable than the birds. That's what Jesus told us. The Word of God is under full scale assault in our society. We don't live in a non-biblical society, we live in an anti-biblical society. Okay. Ephesians 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so the apostle Paul begins by saying, you're not, you're not dealing with people. People are not your problem. Principalities, powers, rulers in the heavenly places. He's talking about an echelon of evil beings under Satan And he's saying, that's who you're really dealing with. And you win, you've been equipped to win. But you need to put on the armor of God, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness. In other words, breastplate of righteousness means I'm not righteous by my own deeds, I'm righteous by the blood of Jesus. And when the devil goes for a kill shot to tell me that I'm not saved and I'm not good enough for God's love, I tell him "I, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have on a breastplate called righteousness. The helmet of salvation means I think like a saved person. I'm protected against the lies of the devil. Helmet of salvation. Your loins girded with truth. This is where you put the sword. The sword goes into the gird here. This is where you reproduce and eliminate, this area of your body. When you're walking in lies, you reproduce error and you eliminate truth. When you're walking in the truth, you eliminate error and you reproduce truth. Gird your loins with truth. Reproduce truth, eliminate error. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God and the shield of faith. Now, there were two types of shields that Roman soldiers used. One was a little hubcap shield, a little round shield. The second kind of a shield was a full-body shield. This is a full-body shield. When he says, take up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, your two hands are holding faith and truth. Listen, the truth is no good unless you put faith in it and faith is no good unless it's acting on truth. Faith in the truth is what sets us free from the bondage of the devil. But it says here, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it's the only offensive piece of equipment. In other words, if you don't have the Bible, if you're you're a soldier in enemy territory and you are, you are a soldier and you are in enemy territory. Imagine that you're a soldier in enemy territory and you have all the rest of the armor but you don't have a sword. You're in trouble. Imagine you have a sword and not the rest of the armor. You're in trouble. And so, but the only offensive weapon that we are given is the Word of God. Here's what Hebrews 4 says. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I wanna say that. When it says sharper than any two-edged sword, it means it's the most powerful weapon in the universe. There's no weapon more powerful than the Word of God. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit to the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So the word of God, scripture, St. Timothy 3 says that all scripture is inspired by God. Theonuma is the word. It means the breath of God. All scripture is alive. Jesus in John chapter 1 is called the word of God. The Word of God isn't something. The Word of God is God. The Word of God is the breath of God. That's what uh, Paul tells Timothy. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's nuclear. The Word of God is nuclear. See, It's very important to the devil that you lay your Bible down and let it collect dust. Don't read it. You have a casual relationship with it. You just read it every now and then, and, and you don't know. You don't know. You know, you read Reader's Digest. You read the Bible, and they disagree. You don't know. Maybe Reader's Digest is right. I'm telling you, the Word of God is true, and every man is a liar. Amen. The Word of God is true. It is infallible. It is infallible, and it is inspired by God. The Word of God is powerful. Now, I want you to listen to this. The most, the most, uh, the greatest battle that was ever fought on the earth was fought between Jesus Christ and Satan. Now, you don't get two more spiritual, two more powerful spiritual beings than Jesus himself and the devil himself. And here's how the the battle happened. In Matthew 4 and Luke 4, it's recorded, Jesus fasted for 40 days. Now, think about how hungry you would be if you had not eaten for 40 days. Jesus was emaciated. He had not eaten for 40 days. And the devil is an opportunist. When the devil finished tempting Jesus uh, in the wilderness, it said, and he departed for an opportune time, until an opportune time. When you're the weakest, the devil's the most evil. He, he's not a gentleman. He shows up and does the most damage when we're vulnerable, okay? So Jesus was vulnerable, and the devil showed up, and the devil showed up. The greatest battle that was ever fought on the earth was not fought with nuclear weapons or guns or knives. It was fought with thoughts. And the devil said to Jesus, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Worship me and I'll give you all of this. Turn that stone into bread. He came to him and lied to him and, and was uh, manipulating him. And three times Jesus said this, it is written. Quote a scripture, it is written. Don't test the Lord your God. It is written. And Jesus defeated the devil himself. He had no physical power, you can imagine he uttered three scriptures and defeated the devil himself and so can you because the word of God is nuclear. We don't understand that. It's nuclear. The word of Did you understand that the universe is sus- suspended on the word of God? Literally? You understand that? According to Genesis 1 God spoke. God's word created the universe and the universe is suspending The uh, the Word of God is suspending the universe. The Word of God is beyond anything that we can possibly comprehend. So what I'm saying is, when you're fighting the devil, he'll beat you. If you try your thoughts against the devil's thoughts, he'll beat you every time. He'll wear you out. But the Word of God is more powerful than any thought the devil has. Psalm chapter 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, Nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prosper. The book of Psalms is 150 chapters long. And it's interesting, it starts out with this right here. It says that you're blessed if you don't walk with liars and people who scoff at the Bible. But your delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it you meditate day and night. Bibble, the meditation that I'm going to teach you about, this is not Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is looking at your belly button and thinking about nothing. That's not good. Don't do it. Okay. Biblical meditation is thinking about the Bible. Now, the word meditate, it means to ruminate. Now, sheep, I think sheep have five stomachs. And the way sheep eat is they will eat grass and digest it and bring it back up and digest it and bring it back up and digest it and finally they swallow it and it's fine. That's what this word means. It means to bring up. It means to get a scripture in your mind and think about it and bring it back up when you need to and think, bring it back up when you need to. That's called biblical meditation. That's what sets you free. And by the way, when it says, whatever he does will succeed, whatever he does prospers. Why does the Bible tell us that everything we do will prosper if we meditate on the Bible? Because we have phenomenal hardware. Our brains are incredible computers. There'll never be a computer uh, that any man uh, invents that's better than our brain. The problem is the software. We have infected software. Since the Garden of Eden, our software has been corrupted. The Word of God is the instruction manual for the hardware. It's the software. The Word of God is the software for the hardware. And when you meditate on Scripture, literally what you're doing is you're reprogramming your brain to think according to God's design. And it also has a virus protection program on it. Because it can divide between the thoughts and intents of the heart. Remember that? The Word of God comes in. No creature can hide from it. It comes into our mind. It slays the enemies of God. And it reprograms us to think about money, to think about marriage to think about relationships, to think about values, to think about priorities, to think about a worldview, to think about everything. And once our mind has been programmed, it says everything he does succeed. You say, why does everything we do succeed? Because God only blesses his word. He only, you'll never succeed when you're operating in a program other than the word of God. So everything we're going to do is prosper. So let me, let me ask you a question. What would you do? What would you give to succeed in everything in your life? What would you give? Would you give a little time to meditate on Scripture? Because it's easy. If it was hard, I couldn't do it. Because I can't predict football. You know. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Okay, so let me talk about this. When you're meditating on Scripture, don't make it religious. Are you worried about money? Are you dealing with your children? Are you dealing with condemnation? Are you, you know, dealing with whatever? Or, or is there an area of the Bible that you wish you know more about? The story of Joseph, the story of Moses, the story of the, the Apostle Paul. You go to something that's of interest to you and you load your mind. The second thing is you bring it up and meditate on it and murmur it to yourself. In other words, you're going to memorize the Bible. You're, you're going to learn scriptures. You're not just going to learn them, you're going to know them. They're going to become a part of your life because you're going to bring it up and bring it up and bring it up. So here's what Deuteronomy 6 says. This is a very important scripture. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. So the Bible's so practical. It's the most practical book. So uh, God is telling Moses, now I want you to tell the children of Israel to diligently train their children four times during the day. He specifically gives the four times. When you're laying on your bed at night, when you're laying in bed in the morning, when you're sitting around the house, or when you're on your way somewhere. It says when you're walking on the path, but when you're on an airplane, when you're in the car, when you're, you know. Did you know that those are the four times of the day when the devil attacks you? This is what transformed my life. Waking up one day and realizing there's a war going on in my head, and these thoughts are not my thoughts. These rogue thoughts in there that are doing me so much damage. Yet, yes, they're in my mind, and yes, I'm thinking them. But there is an enemy that implanted these, and there are strongholds and arguments and high things in my mind, and I'm not living with anything, things in my head anymore. I'm attacking. I'm not playing defense. I'm playing offense, and I'm getting my spear out, and I'm going to take them captive. And I'm going to make them sit and listen to Jesus. One thought at a time, one thought at a time, my mind began to be reprogrammed until I woke up one day. It's not that I never have a bad thought. It's just that I just don't deal with the things I dealt with before. And I believe, to the bottom of my toenails, I believe what the Bible has to say about marriage. I believe what it says about sex. I believe what it says about marriage. I believe what it says about money. I I believe it. I don't have any arguments in my head. You can be set free. Hey, this is Brent Evans with EXO Marriage. And I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, Hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out xomarriage.com, where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.